Welcome everybody to Recovery Machine. My name's Nathan, joined as always by co-host Corey. How are you doing, co-host Corey? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. It's looking like, uh, it's almost looking spring-like out there. It is. I'm back in Kelowna and uh, I'm liking that. So things are good. Things are trending. My boat is in the ocean. The engine is running. And we have it pointed uh, in the direction that we're trying to get to. Excellent. Excellent. I'm very happy to hear that. (laughs) It's about the best I can do. So what are we going to, we got a couple news articles to discuss today. Yeah, we haven't talked about the news in a little while. I'm trying to, I can't recall when the last, uh, last news segment we did was, but there happens to be quite a lot going on right now, more than we can even cover in this one, in this one segment, but um the <laughs> understatement of the uh, yeah we mean in a local sense too <laughs> yeah in a local in a local sense because we could if we panned out a little bit we could just go on for days but um there's a lot happen- happening locally that relates directly to um the toxic drug crisis and overdose deaths there's a lot that relates to um issues of homelessness in our communities in our province we're gearing up here for a, an episode next week where we will be talking to to Garth Mullins Again, and it's been about a year since we had Garth on, and that's got me at least thinking about: Are we better off or worse off than we were a, a year ago at this time? And then, as fate would have it, the news is full of stories that would maybe point us in one direction here uh, to answer that question. Um, but there's a lot going on, a lot going on, and that's good. I mean, it's it's good. To- that uh, we're having Garth come on now, I think is is a opportune time to discuss some of this stuff because you really need somebody who's in it and uh, seeing what's going on to uh, you know give you that realistic perspective. It's very difficult to rely on. You can't really rely on the eh, the news for an accurate uh, perspective, um, no matter where you look that way. Um, looking at these articles that we're covering today, the, the comments on uh, some of these articles are just horrendous. Some of them are not, but it, you know, I, I think there's, and this includes myself, I don't know you, about you, Corey, but the situation as far as homelessness is concerned is a very complex issue and uh, it requires a lot of critical thinking, a lot of nuanced thinking, mm-hmm. and probably is going to take some some creative ideas uh, or maybe something that uh, has worked elsewhere that uh, we're unaware of. I don't know. I spent the last, last little while here looking at these issues. Um, the first one we're going to discuss is an article in which Garth Mullins is, is interviewed, and it's about the drug shortages surrounding methadone. And as people may know, methadone is a opiate uh, therapy or opiate uh, replacement type medication. So uh, people can take uh, one dose a day, usually of methadone. And it's a long acting formulation that is designed to make it so that you don't have to rely on uh, other sources of opiates and it prevents withdrawal symptoms. So we can uh, we can start by going through this article that Garth is uh, interviewed in, if you want, Corey. Absolutely. Before before I get into the article, I don't want, don't want to put you on the spot uh, as a as a pharmacist here, but can you 
offer a bit of an explanation about what the difference with methadone and methadose is, because I'm going to mention methadose here in the article. And it's a, there's a important distinction to make. Sure. Uh, so <clears throat> there used to be just good old fashioned uh, methadone and we mixed it up at a one milligram per mil uh, dosage. Uh, that was the concentration. It was uh, standard. You'd get it in a little bottle. It was powdered methadone that you would get like any other uh, controlled substance in powdered form. And we would mix that with Tang. So your dose would be, if you had 100 mils of uh, Tang, that meant you're getting 100 milligrams of methadone. Methadone is the chemical name of that drug. Methadose and Metadol D are brand names. So they're back in 2019, they came out with a, a, a weird idea that they were going to increase the concentration of methadose with this new formulation, which is the uh, methadose, not the metadol D. Uh, so the methadose formulation was you could either get it in an unflavored, that unflavored, the cherry, I think, and it was a 10 milligram per mil formulation which I didn't understand right away because I mean, I, I get the fact that some people were on, like I had a patient on uh, 360 milliliters or 360 milligrams of methadone, methadone, which is uh, it's a lot, but that's what that person required. I've seen as high as 480 around the same time as this new formulation came out that was 10 times as potent. They put a max on they wanted uh, physicians to only have a, a max dose of 100 mils or 100 milligrams of uh, methadone. So that was something that I didn't understand. And it didn't make a lot of sense as to why you would come up with this new formulation and, this, and at the same time cap the, the dose. Yeah. <laughs> really, like there's uh, people have died because of that mix-ups with the, you know, the old formulation and the new formulation. And uh, the, the main problem that Garth is talking about in this article has to do with the half-life difference between these formulations. Now, the government will tell you that there's no difference between the, the different brands of methadose or uh, methadone that are available. But what we, and as a pharmacist, that's what I was, that's the information I was given. Mm. But what they do with these these drugs that are very similar to the brand name drug or if the brand name drug is off patent is they'll let the company, the drug company or the generic or whoever it is who's applying, they'll let them use the previous company's uh, monograph. So that allows them to skip some of the uh, pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. And I suspect that that is what happened with methadose. Oh. So what we saw in practice was all of a sudden when we, when we made the switch, people started complaining. And at first, many pharmacists were like, oh, you're just, you know, how uh, basically people were, people on methadone were treated like they're drug seeking, right? Like, oh, you're just looking for more. And, uh, you know, they were kind of, the problem was shrugged off. But once it became, became apparent that there were far too many people with obvious signs of withdrawal early, mm -hmm. uh, the government conceded and said, okay, well, something's not right. We're, we're going to get this other formulation in here and we're going to add it to the formulary. So it will be, you know, a benefit or available for people who need it as well. 
So now they have metadol uh, D, which is available in tabs and uh, liquid formulation. And that one, for whatever reason, is more similar to the original, where it's, uh, for the vast majority of people, it's a one-a-day dose. I saw patients who were trying to dose the, uh, the methadose formulation uh, three times a day in smaller increments. You know, they were trying everything to get around it. But the strange thing about these types of problems, when I go online and I look at the databases, I cannot find a single study. And it, it, if there's somebody out there who can do this, please uh, point me in the right direction. But I can't see a pharmacokinetic or, or uh, a half-life study comparing the old formula of methadone to methadose or metadol D, which is odd because you'd think like, why would the government, they're, they're basically capitulating to the pressure. They're, so they're admitting that there's something wrong. Why not do a quick study or get force that drug company to do the study uh, because they should have done it properly in the first place. And I bet they would find that for some metabolizers, um, there's some suspicion about, uh, there's, there's certain types of liver enzymes that some people have in abundance and some people don't, mm. uh, specifically the ones called uh, CYP2D6. If you are a CYP2D6 ultra-fast metabolizer, then, uh, which, by the way, many opiate uh, users are because mm. uh, it te you tend to get a better response from opiates, um, you, you metabolize... That I suspect that they would metabolize that form of methadone faster, and that that would be my that's my hypothesis as to what's going on there. Interesting, but I can't find any evidence online to support it. I didn't look forever, but I did. I spent too much time for not finding any answers, and it just it baffles me as to why they wouldn't do a quick, you know, just do a, a hundred uh, get a hundred subjects who are already taking it and. Uh, just do, you know, it wouldn't take long, right? Uh, a week yeah. of blood tests and you'd have an answer. But for some reason, that's that's not a thing. So with that in mind, we can continue along here. Yeah, thank you. That was really succinct and informative. I personally, just even as a nurse who gave methadone many, many, many times in my career, hundreds of times, I didn't know some of that, the distinctions there. So that's fascinating and it's really troubling given that the other side of this whole story is this looming monster of toxic drugs that are snapping people up in in a millisecond you know like mm -hmm. it's not this there's this is not without consequence and i guess that's what the article that i will will read you here is um so this was put out on march 29th by the cbc garth was featured on cbc radio as he often is and uh that's where the story first came to my attention um but it was also in print media here so uh british columbia has been dealing with a shortage of methadone and for those who rely on the medication to treat opioid addiction it's been almost a month of uncertainty the province says it's become aware of the shortage in the first week of March after the manufacturer of Metadol D, a methadone formulation, reported a shortfall due to shipping delays. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the Ministry of Health followed protocols in place for drug shortages, including additional pharmacare funding for alternatives, says the province. All current methadone liquid formulations are considered equally effective and therapeutically interchangeable, says the province. Since 2014, Garth Mullins of the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users and the British Columbia Association of People on Opioid Maintenance has been using Metadol D. 
I'm alive right now because I've been able to have access to methadone. And if that access is imperiled, it is going to turn my life upside down, Mullen says. Mullen says he's heard from users who report that they have been offered other formulations known as methadose. Back in 2019, methadol D was offered as an alternative and to those who found methadose ineffective. Mullen says, and having to go back to methadose amid a shortage has left some users feeling dope sick. You start to get the sweats, anxiety, kicky legs, and then you're throwing up and you're just in a really bad state, he says. In that situation, most of, most of us end up topping up off the street supply, and right now, that is lethal. The government says that the, as of last week, patients have access to other pharmacare-funded products beyond methadose without having to request them through a special process. The province said the methadone shortage was resolved on March 13th, but a ripple effect on the supply chain might be felt for a couple of weeks as the availability stabilizes at the wholesaler level. It added that supply levels should return to normal shortly. <laughs> I'll skip forward just a little bit here. We hear the government just kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying, oh, it's the supply chain. What can we do? And that's not good enough when it's an emergency. They should make sure that there's a good stockpile of prescription opioids and that we don't see shortages. So I'm glad that you gave that kind of preamble about the differences there. And of course, like Garth is saying, the, the biggest concern is that people have to, um, have to top up to, to keep themselves out of withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And for, for the callous listener or the callous reader of that article who says, well, then it's their own damn fault for having to, uh, for making that choice. I would challenge that that person has never experienced acute opioid withdrawal. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if that's, if that's the person's view on, uh, uh somebody who's, who's uh, on a chronic dose of methadone, then, that there's nothing unusual about that. And, uh, that's their prerogative, right? I mean, you're free to be as yeah. compassionate or non-compassionate as you wish for the people who do, uh, care about issues like this. I'm, I'm not sure how many people, uh, are concerned, but I guess the, the thing that this kind of underlines for me or highlights is the fact that the province has labeled this as an emergency, this toxic drug crisis, has been labeled uh, an emergency as of 2016 and mm -hmm. it is still considered an emergency. And that confuses me because the definition of emergency is an urgent, unexpected, dangerous situation that poses an immediate risk to health, life, property, and environment mm -hmm. requiring immediate action. So, what I would say, or what I would request the province uh, consider, is that they remove the emergency status from the opioid or uh, toxic drug crisis, or in, if they if they don't want to remove the emergency status, then treat the situation like an emergency. I don't understand the political posturing. Uh, you know, if you're if you're trying to get votes, uh, if you're trying to win an election, I could understand playing those type of games. But this is uh, this people are dying. We've lost yeah. over eleven thousand people now. It's the highest unexpected, or what do they call it, un uh, accidental death, I guess. But it's not really accidental. I mean, it's it, it lethal at a rate that 
warrants the title emergency. Mm -hmm. And yet the actions of those who are in charge of handling such things are not in line with what is required for an emergency. Yeah, not at all. So this is another example of, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to provide what is effectively a harm reduction policy that we've had in place for a long time. Uh, there's many problems with that, with the methadone program, uh, the way I see it as, as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, blaming a, a shortage or, I mean, this is not even, uh, this is something that could have been fixed without even, uh, considering the supply chain because all they had to do is they have provisions in place that they can make a molecule, uh, part of the formulary overnight if there's an emergency. So this is an emergency. So all they had to do was say, okay, we're going back to the old formula. All pharmacies now order the old formula of, of like just the, the methadone that you can get, uh, because I believe that that was still available. I could be wrong there. I, I didn't look into that, but I, I didn't see any action to, in an emergency, all other forms should have been covered immediately. That should have been the first thing. And if method, uh, if methadose was the only thing available, then right away they should have brought in uh, compounding material to make the old style methadone. If this was being treated like an emergency. If it was an emergency. And there's no way yeah. you can tell me that you can't get that that uh, molecule. <clears throat> yeah. Because guess what? The underground is kicking your ass, BC. <laughs> Do you see any yeah. shortages of fucking fentanyl? No. You know? Do you see any problems with a supply chain? And and imagine the difficulty. Imagine the hurdles that these underground labs are facing in comparison to to our pathetic government. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's shameful. Yeah, the fact that you can't get your harm reduction medicine, but you can get lethal street drugs because of our regulatory malfunctions. <laughs> yeah, what? I don't know. It's it's the, a wild one. The the supply chain, the use of that excuse, um, is so twenty twenty. It's getting old, isn't it? <laughs> it's so 2020, and and it's it's a kind of a for the reader, for the for the consumer, for the person who needs whether we're talking about methadone or something from the grocery store off the shelf. It's like a, a kind of an untraceable, unfollowable excuse that you have to kind of accept. Well, it's a supply chain, okay? So whether to me that like conjures up an image that it's like stuck on a uh, you know a big sea can in the middle of the <laughs> Atlantic ocean or something like that. Like there's no, it just sort of ends there. The excuse ends there. The, the, and this is a whole other discussion we could get into about just sort of the vast disillusionment with, with government in, in these sorts of matters. But I, I read that and I end up thinking that they think that we're stupid and they think that their consumers and their, their clients or the people that are relying on them are stupid. Um, well, because that that's just such a lame isn't the writing on the wall yeah i mean it is uh we've seen what people are willing to tolerate and this nonsense about uh, like uh, this last line here it, it added that supply levels should return to normal shortly our drug supply in general for pharmaceuticals has not been normal since the great recession 
In mm-hmm. fact, it's been on a, on a downhill slide and uh, there's numerous reasons for that, but it's all to do with uh, mismanagement and government policy. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's uh, experienced not being able to get penicillin in Canada, you know, old folks out there who go in and they, they go, go to get their calcium channel blocker and it's not available. Mm-hmm. This is, it's not this, the normal is completely uh, different than it was in say 2005. Mm-hmm. 2005, there were barely any drug shortages. Now you don't get like, you know, it's, there'll usually be a fairly large double digit percentage of your basic drugs that you can't get. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Garth definitely has, uh, he's got a point about stockpiling. I mean, what methadone is dirt cheap. So why on earth wouldn't you, you know, have that stuff ready, have it, uh, it's got a long expiry date. You could have, uh, you could have your plus, they know very close to how many people are going to need it. Uh, you know, it's not a difficult thing to figure out. Yeah. Doesn't cost a lot of money. Doesn't cost, it doesn't take a lot of time to figure out. And yet the consequences of not having that ready are death, possible death. So why, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. (laughs) You know, hearing that from an article in March of 2023 is really discouraging. We've been talking about this for the, the length of our, of our show and other people in our province have been talking about it for a lot longer than that. And at this stage in the game, this late in the game, man, oh man, discouraging. Discouraging indeed. 